You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Illustrated, Matt Coulter, a former Alabama Broadcaster of the Year and longtime media personality, and Christian Miller, a national championship winning linebacker at Alabama who was drafted by the Carolina Panthers. Here's Lars, Matt, and Christian. Hey, welcome into Big Noon Sports, Matt. Lars, Christian, got a full boat for you. Al Del Greco, join us in a few minutes. Let's talk some Auburn and some college football with the uh, former Auburn and NFL kicker. In addition to that, 1230, Andrew the Bone will join us, and we'll talk some recruiting. Got got a lot of questions I'd like to ask him. I'm sure Christian would as well, since he's responsible for Keeley being a uh, committed to Alabama. And then uh, at 1.30, we'll go to Tampa and talk with um, one of the offensive coaches for the Bucks and Rick Christophel, who spent close to 10 years right here in uh, in Birmingham with UAB. So all is good. It's a sunny Friday. It's uh, Christmas in Alabama. And I'm sure Lars has done all of his shopping. I have bought two gifts, and I have a lot of people on my on my list. How about you, Lars? I've done the vast majority of my shopping, believe it or not, uh, for, for my kids. No. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, uh, you know, if you wait and you try to go and get stuff for, you know, my twin five-year-old girls and my seven-year-old son, the, the, the stocks will be ravaged, right? <laughs> the, or the shelves yeah. will be ravaged. And so uh, I learned my lesson the hard way last year, and uh, I just got uh, my mom a, uh, a a gift where every week for the next year she is going to have an authentic letter sent to her that played a pivotal role in uh, U.S. American history. Like could the, the, and they do it by themes every week. Uh, could be World War II, you know, uh, a telegram that Dwight Eisenhower sent to the president or uh could wow. go all the way back to the industrial revolution or different inventions and and again it's like it's making the past come alive and i absolutely love this gift love it love it that's really cool i got to get more details on that you're you're helping me out and i guess uh, i'm gonna help my um, son-in-law didn't listen but uh was it last american folk hero last folk hero uh the book that perlman wrote yes uh, uh, the last, the yeah. last American folk, folk hero. You're, you're helping me out with a with a with a signed book there, but um, what do you want for Christmas, Lars? Pop up here on Santa's lap. <laughs> I kind of wish I didn't say. That. I just I want the same thing I pray for every day, and that's just health and happiness for my kids. And let me tell you something, and you'll know this, and you know this. Uh, I love Christmas when you have children. And when you have grandchildren, it's absolutely the best. And even though you got to stay up till four o'clock in the morning, not putting something together, but trying at the same time, uh, it is so cool to see their faces when they come down the stairs and go to the Christmas tree and see everything that they're getting. It's a, it's a wonderful time of year. It is also bowl season, Lars. And uh, I'm, I'm in there getting ready to come to the studio and I'm flip on. There's football at 1030. Um, and last I checked, and uh, we'll get uh, Josh to help me out. 
UAB was leading Miami 10-0 in the Bahama Bowl. And then right after that, Troy, another Alabama school, is taking on Texas-San uh, Antonio. And that game is at 2 o'clock. So, hey, it's here. And a lot of people like to poo-poo the bowl games. I'll watch just about any two teams play in a bowl, Lars. Yeah, me too. And, uh, you know, to me, the big question about the Bahamas Bowl was how hard were the players going to play, right? Because it was was very obvious that uh, a lot of them wanted Brian Vincent to be retained as the permanent head coach. They wanted the interim label dropped. and, and, uh, And so I was wondering about the effort level uh, that that we would see from UAB, uh, given the coaching change and the hiring of Trent Dilfer, which I th- I think it's a great it's a bold move. We we both agree with that, Matt. It's either gonna <laughs> it's either gonna uh, be a, a spectacular success or a spectacular failure. I don't think there's really gonna be too much in between. And uh, I'm I'm leaning. I'll tell you what, good. Lars. I yeah. was uh, at the UAB basketball game as I as I told you guys yesterday. And um, whew, I'm just standing out there in the, you know, kind of outside the court. And whoo, the tall guy just kind of flashed by me and was talking to Joseph Goodman. He goes, oh, well, there went Dilfer. And I went, whoa, come here. Uh, but didn't have a chance to catch up with him. But the arena was abuzz with the talk uh, about Trent Dilfer. And I'm with you. I, I, it's, it's a swing and a miss or it's a swing and a, you know, one of those out of the park. But I think the latter. Yeah, I, I do too, um, and I think it's a good sign, man. The UAB kids are they're playing hard, and um, you know, I, I if if they're playing their best, they they should they should win this game against Miami of Ohio. Lars, I'm assuming that you've probably covered a few bowls. I certainly have, and sometimes they're in El Paso, Texas. Which, by the way, uh, I, I I covered three Sun Bowls. Alabama in the 80s. I'm not going to go into deep. El Paso was wonderful because the people there are, uh, yeah, I don't know, Texas is the south, but they were just like they were your friends next door in uh, Birmingham, Alabama. But I did cover one, and I want to ask you one of uh, your bowl destinations. I was fortunate enough to go to the Hawaii Bowl one year, and obviously that is a destination. Did you ever cover one that you really, really liked the location and maybe one that you really didn't? Yeah. Um, by the way, uh, it's halftime now and UAB is up 10 to six. Miami Ohio scored in the last 30 seconds of the second quarter, but the uh, extra point was blocked. So 10, six halftime UAB is up over Miami of Ohio. Um, my most memorable bowl experiences uh, of course, it involves Nebraska. Nebraska played Tennessee, I think, in the 97 or 98 Orange Bowl. Peyton Manning's last game. Tom Osborne's last game. Uh, Nebraska throttled them. And, and I, I was able to watch the last, like, 10 minutes of the game with Tom's wife, Nancy, who I have gotten to know over the years. And she's a lot like Miss Terry. Like, she was the maternal figure there when Nebraska was winning all those national championships. But then the other, and, and of course being in, in Miami was great. Um, I, uh, I always stay right on South beach, even though it's a, it's a hall to get over to um, the stadium from South beach. But, uh, but the, probably my favorite one was the sugar bowl uh, when Florida state was playing 
um, uh, Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech. Yeah, for the national championship. And Michael Vick put on a performance that I just, you just couldn't believe it. He couldn't believe how good he was. And yeah, they, Virginia Tech ended up losing the game. Uh, Peter Warwick, I think, scored a late touchdown. And Florida State went on to win the national championship. But that was really my first extended time of, uh, and, and I forget the year of that, Matt, maybe 2003, somewhere in there. But that was the first extended time I'd spent in New Orleans. And so, uh, by the time the game oh rolled my. around, I was, I was, I was ready to get out of there, uh, because I was not prepared for the craziness of, uh, of the French quarter. Wait and, a minute, Lars, you're prepared right now to go anywhere and hoist a, a mug. I can't believe New Orleans wore, ladies and gentlemen, we have a new headline. New Orleans <laughs> won Lars Anderson zero. <laughs> yes. Yes, uh, it was not. Uh, I was not. I was not real good at let's just say pacing myself when I was there for that event. Um, and you know, when you go and you cover a, a national championship game, the amount of free stuff they give you—at least it used to be—it was just all the swag and the uh, open bars and uh, you know oh, free man. meals and. You know, you you see your uh, media friends from all around the country, and it's, it's like if you've been covering college football for a while, um, you know, it's not a huge group of people, right? So you, we all know each other, and then you, you end up socializing, going out, eating great dinners, and we're all on expense budgets, right? So everything is essential. Yeah, but for- you can stick your per diem in your pocket because you got hospitality suites everywhere, and food is everywhere. Yeah. It's wonderful. Oh, trust me, I, I knew how to work the uh, the reimbursement system at Sports Illustrated like no other. <laughs> yeah. Uh, everybody learns to work those expense accounts. It's a, it's a lot of fun. And I've uh, been very, very fortunate to have covered several Sugar Bowls, and it's always around New Year's. So you put being in a bowl environment, being around fans, being in New Orleans, and being New Year's Eve – Lars, you really do have to be conscious of pacing yourself. So, <laughs> yeah, and I wasn't very good at it either. A few times, I, I'll be honest with you. And you know, I've heard stories of reporters getting thrown in jail <laughs> because they they uh, did not show enough self restraint <laughs> and uh, and then had a little too much fun on uh, on on Bourbon Street. Yeah, but you, you get down on the French Quarter and it's eight o'clock, nine o'clock, ten o'clock. 3 a.m. and it's lucky dog time. That's just uh, that's kind of how it works out. But uh, all right, uh, you ever go to one that wasn't uh, in a very? Ah, I don't want it. It's Fun Friday. I'm not gonna trash any location. <laughs> um, but they're not always in the greatest locations. Okay. Yeah, so, uh, no, I was we'll leave that for later. I, I was always covering like New Year's get day games and and national championship games. So I didn't have to go to, you know, these far away destinations where you absolutely freeze your tail off, you know, at, uh, at, at wherever. Um, so my, my experiences were all good, really good. Other bowl games, we'll take a look at those. But coming up next, let's talk some Auburn football, some Hugh Freeze, some kickers. Al Del Greco is next on Big Noon Sports. From T-Town to the Plains, 
This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Road tripping, business travel, or bringing your car in for repairs. All great reasons to rent a Toyota at Tuscaloosa Toyota. You can rent a dry day tomorrow, a mixture of clouds and sunshine, the high 51. And Sunday, a sunny day with a high at 49. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 52 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Hey, welcome back to Big Noon Sports. Matt Coulter, Miller, Lars Anderson, and a very familiar voice to the airwaves in the state of Alabama. Al Del Greco joins us. Let's talk some bowl football. Let's talk some Auburn. Let's talk some Hugh Freeze. Al, the gang is all here. How are you, man? Merry Christmas. Good Good afternoon, guys. Merry Christmas to you. What are you going to get for Christmas, Al? You need a tea? What am I? What am I going to get? Yeah. I got a uh, – we actually had kid, uh, Christmas with my kids and grandkids last weekend because Trey lives in Orlando, so they were up here, and we had to do it early. And um, I got a set of those rock speakers that you put out in your on your patio that you can Bluetooth yeah. and awesome gift. was very happy with that. Do they really look like rocks? They do. <laughs> Al, Al, we haven't had a Crazy. chance to talk to you since uh, Hugh Freeze was hired at Auburn. What was your reaction? Were you surprised? Do you think it, it's going to work out? Just your overall analysis. Yeah, I think, you know, um, obviously he was one of the three names uh, that cir- circulated right off the bat. Um, I'll be honest, my first choice was probably Dion at the moment. Um just because of what he could do recruiting-wise. But I've been very impressed with what Coach Freeze has done so far uh, on the recruiting trail. I know early signing period's coming up, and nothing's really official uh, till you get those kids' names on. But it seems like they've got a lot of kids, uh, a few five-stars coming to visit this weekend. Um, they flipped that offensive lineman from the University of Miami. Uh, so, I mean, he's, he's done a lot more, or we've heard about, a lot more uh, from a recruiting standpoint than we ever did with Coach Harson. So you and I and Matt and Christian and everybody knows that's that's where it has to start for us in order to get back where Auburn football needs to be. Al, hey Al, can you hear me? Hey Al, can you hear me? Yes, I can now. Sorry about that. So you saw that uh, Grayson McCall, quarterback from Coastal Carolina, who entered the transfer portal, he's visiting Auburn, um, potentially landing there. Do you see Alabama potentially reaching in the transfer portal to try to find another quarterback? That I, I think that's certainly a possibility. I know um, Coach Bryant's grandson apparently went in the transfer portal, so he's not there. Uh, I know Paul Carruth's nephew is there. Uh, but outside of you know Bryce Young and I don't know his I don't know if he's officially made a decision yet or not about what he's going to do next year. But um, certainly you know you can never have enough quality quarterbacks, 
And I think Alabama's been a great example of that with the guys that have had to sit and wait for at least one year or two years, and then they come on, it's their time. And, what you've had, uh, you know, the Heisman Trophy winner and guys that have won national championships. So I, I think, you know, everybody's looking. The transfer portal's there. And I think, you know, football and basketball are probably the two major sports that will utilize the transfer portal more than anybody else. Hey, Lars, uh, you said you're, you're getting more and more impressed with Hugh Freeze. Uh, what are your initial thoughts on John Cohen, the, the new athletic director? That's actually for Al. Oh, uh, Al? I think, you know, I, quite honestly, I, I really didn't know who he was. Um, listening to his press conference and what he had to say uh, about Coach Freeze and about the hire and everything going on. Um, other than that hire, I really don't have anything to base it on, guys. But uh, it, it seems like, you know, they, they did their due diligence. Um, he said Coach Freeze was at the top of their list. I don't know if that means he was 1A, 1B, 1C. But, uh, you know, time will tell, and we'll find out uh, what kind of hire it, it, it ultimately is in the next couple of years. But uh, I certainly think, based on what we've seen so far, it looks like he's done a good job with that hire. Al, what are your thoughts on Robbie Ashford? Do you think he is the quarterback of the future for Auburn, or uh, you think Hugh is really going to – you mentioned looking at the, port, at the transfer portal for a quarterback, but uh, do you think Ashford uh, will be in the mix? I, I hope so. Um, I, I think you have to give him a lot of credit for the way he performed, the duress that he was under a lot of times uh, because of the lack of protection – uh, from the offensive line, um, you look at what he did, you know, in the Iron Bowl as far as running the football. Um, passing was certainly not a strength of this offense. I don't know if that was strictly just a matter of the system uh, and, and what they were doing. And, you know, certainly, again, we go back to recruiting. If you can get some offensive linemen that can give him time, uh, we can kind of find out what kind of a quarterback he can be. But uh, certainly Coach Freeze has had a track record of, of developing quarterbacks. And, you know, you look at what, what's happened over at Ole Miss over the years and then what he did with Malik Willis at Liberty. Uh, I, I think, you know, certainly I think Robbie Ashford should be in the picture based on what he's already uh, given to Auburn in the past. I think Christian's mic is down. Yeah, uh, technical snafus. It it, it happens with, uh, from time to time in, in live radio. Hey, Al, we were talking yes, bowls. I, I know you. I know you went to uh, New Orleans for the Sugar Bowl because uh, you kicked three field goals um, against Michigan. Uh, what other bowls did you go to, and what are your memories from them? Uh, the only other one we went to was in '82. Uh, we went, it was then called the Tangerine Bowl down in Orlando. Um, That's Flutie versus Bo. It was. And, you know, great. Randy Campbell has a great story about a, a third down call uh, where they went to the sideline and they, they called an option play to the left, which meant Bo was going to be the pitch man. And I remember uh, Coach Crow saying, Make sure you make a good read on this. If the end crashes down, obviously pitch it. If not, 
just keep it. And as the timeout ended and Randy kind of went back out on the field, he said, Coach, Coach Dye pulled him over and says, I don't care what they do, you pitch the ball to Bo. <laughs> and he, he actually ended up, he actually ended up pitching it over, uh, the defensive end's head and Bo had to reach behind to get the ball and, uh, went in and scored, scored a touchdown. So Coach Dye knew what he was talking about, I guess. You, you know, Al, we've actually been talking about Bo Jackson quite a bit because uh, Jeff Perlman, a uh, friend of the show, uh, used to work with him at SI, just came out with a, a book on Bo, uh, and it re- went right to the New York Times bestseller list. But I'm wondering, do you have a favorite story? Like, you know, there's so many just freakish things that he did that have never that will never be replicated. But, like, did you see something in practice or – you know, just something in a game uh, that, that, that sticks out to you? Yeah, I, I've got two. Um, a baseball game that he was playing, um, he caught a ball kind of in right center field on the warning track and threw just a frozen rope to third base on a guy tagging up from second that never hit the ground. It hit the third baseman's glove right smack in front of the runner. It was one of the most incredible uh, shows of arm strength I've ever seen. And then, of course, you got the one where he throws out, uh, what's his name, Harold Reynolds yeah. uh, it, with Kansas City, which is another one. But my favorite story was we were in the Sugar Bowl and we were practicing. And at that time, I think only one Ray guy was the only guy that had hit um, the the overhanging scoreboard on a punt. So Lewis Colbert, our punter, obviously was trying, and he probably spent a good 20 minutes figuring out, you know, what yard line do I need to kick it to get the trajectory right where I'm not kicking it straight up in the air and and all that. And so he finally hits it, and everybody kind of went nuts. And Bo took a ball and was standing flat-footed on the 50-yard line and just leaned down and threw the ball, a football, uh, up and it, it went past the screens that were there and into the ra- the metal rafters that <laughs> held the, the scoreboard up. And everybody kind of just looked at each other and he took another ball and he did it again immediately right after that. And we were just like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> I love that. I love that story. I, I'm sure Perlman would have loved to have put that in the book. Um, did you ever, uh, I, I don't recall if Bo returned kickoffs, but there was a, never a time in practice where Bo breaks through and it's, uh, Bo Jackson versus Al Del Greco. Was there? No, but, uh, he was, I was with the Packers and we were in many, we were in training camp up in Milwaukee, up near Milwaukee. And he was playing with the Royals and they were in town playing the Brewers and it was on a day off. And uh, one of the news guys from uh, Green Bay asked if I wanted to go see him at, at the game. So we went over for the game, and it was it was before the game, and naturally he got us down on the field, and I went down there, and I just kind of walked up to him, and he kind of he was like, oh, my God, what are you doing here? And uh, John Mino was the news guy's name, and he did an interview with Bo, and he goes, all right, Bo, I've got a scenario for you. Al Del Greco's kicking off. You're returning kicks for the Raiders. You catch one and you break through, and all it's all it is is you and Al. And Bo started laughing like uncontrollably, 
and he <laughs> said, "You know what? I would probably be so scared of Al that he that uh, I'd probably fumble the football or something." <laughs> there was the, <laughs> there was the the least possible answer I thought he'd come up with. <laughs> but if if Bo Jackson returned to kickoff and was running, there was no way in the world I was ever going to catch him. That that's impossible. And I definitely wouldn't have stuck my head in there to try to tackle him because uh, that would have been very painful, I think. <laughs> yeah, a- absolutely. What about feats here? How about what? I'm talking about feats. What's the longest field goal you ever kicked in practice? In practice was in Houston. Um, it was outside. It was really windy one day, and it was 67 yards. And in a game, it was in a dome in San Antonio. It was 57 yards. And I, I don't know. Al, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, guys. Always a pleasure. I wish you guys nothing but the best. And good luck to everybody in their bowl games. Everybody stay safe. You too, Al. Thank you. Coming up next, uh, we'll talk recruiting with Andrew Bone. From T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with Syntec at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Syntec Premium Full Synthetic Motor Oil is formulated for today's... Bad of the bone. UAB's leading 10-6. Don't forget Troy and Texas San Antonio play at 2 o'clock this afternoon. So you got Alabama football all day long. By the way, the Troy and Texas San Antonio, the only bowl with 11 win teams each. Both uh, are 11-2. Troy has really had a great year. So uh, anyway, uh, we want to talk some recruiting. That's why we're bringing Bad to the bone. Andrew Bone. Uh, Andrew, I'm going to steal Christian's question here. Did uh, Christian Miller have a lot to do with the signing of the edge linebacker out of Tampa? Keeley, Ken Keeley. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure he had a conversation or two with him, but obviously big commit this week with uh, Keon Keeley officially jumping on board. You know, we've talked about Keeley for a long time. I mean, this is a guy that we – you know, we felt like he was going to eventually commit to Alabama. We weren't sure, you know, when it was going to happen, but um, he ends up making that decision on Monday, which is obviously really big for Alabama, you know, about a week and a half before, you know, the signing period because you, know, you get one of your big names on board. It's one less guy that you got to worry about, but it's also a guy that can help you uh, recruit others uh, all the way until signing day. And this is a, you know, pretty big next few days for Alabama. They've got some, uh, a couple kids on campus this week, and um, we've got some guys that are not doing anything this weekend and kind of just, you know, letting, you know, the next, you know, sitting around the next few days trying to make make a decision on what, what they're going to do. And here are these last recruiting pitches from coaches, uh, you know, trying to make sure they feel, uh, you know, like they're a priority target. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens over the course of the next uh, five days, you know, leading up to this uh, early signing period. Because Alabama's currently sitting with the number one recruiting class in the country. They've got 25 commitments. 
I think that number is probably going to get to 30, uh, but you just never know. Um, some big names still out there, and uh, I think Alabama's going to have a chance to close very strong. Andrew, you mentioned this number one recruiting class. How would you rank it compared to some of the other classes we've seen during Coach Saban's time here? Obviously, uh, number one recruiting classes um, are pretty familiar around here, but it seems like this one um, is a very special one. How would you rank it among some of the, the previous recruiting classes that Coach Saban has brought in? Well, you know, I, I never really like to compare recruiting classes until about three four years down the road. Just sure. because you got to see how these <laughs> – guys end up developing because we can talk about them we can brag about them we can uh you know talk about how great they are in high school but how great are they going to be in the next you know three or four years i think that's you know still uh still remains to be seen but you know everybody does want to know how good is this recruiting class and it's outstanding i mean i I think what makes it so good is the balance you know on the offensive oh you look at you know your offensive side where you have you, you really met a lot of needs. You got two quarterbacks. You got two running backs. Um, I didn't think Alabama necessarily needed to get four receivers in this class after last year's class, but they got four wide receivers, including the top JUCO player in the country, uh, Malik Benson, who's now a five-star recruit on on three sports. And you know, I think he's going to have a chance to come in and, and contribute right away. I, mean, I, I still think that they can add another player uh on the offensive line or on the at tight end. And I think there's a possibility of uh, probably a strong possibility of that happening. So still kind of waiting to see how it all unfolds at those two positions. But defensive wise, they, a lot's going to depend on what happens over the course of the next five days defensive wise, because there's some key targets who are still out there. They, you know, they've got three defensive line commitments, but it takes it to a whole nother level. When you, if you get James Smith on board, the top defensive lineman in the country, uh, out of Carver High School in Montgomery, I mean, this is a priority target, not only for Alabama but for Georgia, for Florida, for Auburn. Um, you know, who's going to end up winning uh, that race? I think Alabama heading into the weekend is in the driver's seat, but he is going to take an unofficial visit uh, over to Auburn this weekend. Um, you know, linebacker wise, you know, love what Alabama's been able to do there. Uh, as far as getting Justin Jefferson, the top inside linebacker, top defensive player in junior college, on board, but they need another, you know, line. Opinion. Uh, I think Quay Rousseau got a, you know, great chance to end up adding him. Will they potentially flip somebody else? Centurion Perkins came out and said that he's one thousand percent committed to Ole Miss. Anytime somebody says they're a thousand percent committed to a school, it always gives me doubt. Um, I feel like every time somebody says they're a thousand percent committed, they end up flipping or um, are going somewhere else. So I'm gonna be watching Centurion Perkins, you know, pretty closely still over the next few weeks, over the next week, especially if he decides to uh, to push things off and sign in uh, in February. But then, you know, defensive back wise, I mean, you got the best defensive player in the country, in my opinion, committed in Caleb Downs. I think he's a Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, type player uh, he's got a chance to uh, to be really special I think he, in my opinion he's the best football player in the country is he ranked as the best football player in the country no and I think a lot of that has to do with just being a safety um, you know you don't see many safeties taken in the top 10 of the NFL draft and that's kind of uh, how recruiting experts look at it uh, you know they're kind of evaluating guys you know on a three or four year 
four years down the road, where are they going to be? And um, uh, But I think you talk to just about any national recruiting guy, they're going to say the best overall player in the country is uh, is Caleb Downs. So they've got a special player in him. Uh, you know, Tony Mitchell you know, has kept people guessing as to what he's going to do. Uh, he's still committed to Alabama, but he's taking an official visit out to Texas A&M this weekend. So we're going to be watching uh, watching Tony pretty closely. I still think cornerback, they need another guy. And they've got two guys that I feel like they got a chance to sign. Desmond Rick, five-star corner out of IMG Academy. He's going to be taking an official to LSU this weekend. And then Damari Brown uh, out of South Lark, um, cornerback out of American Heritage. Alabama's had some success there through the years, Pat Sertan, and then um, signed Earl Little Jr. out of there last year. So I think Alabama's going to have a chance with with him. So they hit a need at cornerback. They hit another need at linebacker, and they hit the need at defensive line. You're talking potentially you know, one of the best defensive classes of the, uh, of the Saban era, especially after getting Keon Keeley uh, on board the other day. Um, it certainly got a chance to be a pretty special class. So it's going to rank up there with, uh, you know, in the top two, top three of best recruiting classes signed by Coach Saban if they can get a couple more of those guys on board in the next week. Andrew, I don't know if this falls under your job description now as a recruiting analyst, uh, but the, the transfer portal. Obviously, we're seeing a lot of guys from Alabama enter the transfer portal. Do you think Alabama um, – and I don't know if you've looked into this or you've heard anything, but do you think Alabama goes into the transfer portal to try to find a, a quarterback who has a little bit of experience? Wouldn't be surprised. I, I think we're probably going to get through signing day before we really hear any more about, uh, you know, any big transfers, um, regardless if that's that quarterback or, you know, potentially offensive line. You know, maybe on the defense side of the ball, I think you know the main focus right now is trying to get the guys that they are you know that are either committed to them or that they are still targeting signed next week, and then you can focus a little bit more uh, you know on the transfer portal and what your needs are, and then you know of course you want to get through the bowl season and, and kind of figure out you know are you going to have any more guys from your team transfer out you know or you know this is also an opportunity for Alabama to evaluate kids you know they pretty much know where a lot of these guys are um you know on the team as far as uh you know if they're going to be able to contribute next year but it also gives them another opportunity to evaluate them and and figure out hey all right do we need more help at this position or that position or is this guy you know are, are we going to have some surprises after the bowl season with guys that end up transferring i think there are probably a couple guys that they were surprised with that entered the transfer portal most of them probably not. As, as, you know, hey, people always kind of freak out when they, all these, you know, players into the transfer portal, whether they're starters or you know potentially, uh, you know, freshmen that have a chance to, to start in the next couple of years. But I don't think Alabama's really, you know, shocked by any of the guys who who entered the portal or are worried too much. There might be one player or two that, you know, by my, they still might be trying to recruit to, to keep on board, but. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing with these guys that are in the portal because you're trying to go after guys that are going to help make your team better. You're going after guys in the portal. You're going after guys in high school, junior college, and um, you know it gives you, you know, it gives you another spot on the team to uh, to try to add uh, an additional good player. Um, so, be interested to see how the transfer portal works for Alabama this year. They've obviously had some success there. They offered a tight end last weekend, C.J. Dupree. Uh, out of 
at a Mar- or he's originally from Pennsylvania, but played at Maryland the last two seasons. He's going to take a visit to Ohio State this weekend. The Buckeyes have not offered him yet, but uh, that could easily be the case this weekend, sort of like how it was with Alabama last weekend. Uh, we'll see if Ohio- and, uh, an offer from Ohio State changes things, but I also think that Alabama's got a big need there at the tight end position. Uh, they, the tight end room is not very deep, and I think they are wondering who's going to be that starter next year. You know, maybe it is C.J. Dupree. Maybe it's somebody else that we're not even talking about just yet that, that might enter the portal or they might bring in for a visit. But they're going to do some work in the transfer portal, but I think most of that work is going to happen after, after signing day. Andrew, tell everybody listening to Big Noon Sports how they can get in touch and follow you. Well, you can follow us at BamaInsider.com. Go there today. We're part of the On3 Sports Network. It's only $10 for an entire year subscription, or you can just pay $1 for four months. So pretty good deal over there to get all of our recruiting content on there for free. But we also provide team coverage. Clint Lamb, Jimmy Stein do a great job on the team front for us at On3. And uh, we have Joseph Hastings also on the recruiting front. So we've got it covered on BamaInsider.com. You can also follow me on my Twitter handle, at Andrew, the letter J, Bone. Great stuff. As always, Bone, have a wonderful weekend. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, guys. Y'all have a great one. See ya. Lars brought up, and then we talked with Bone about the transfer portal. I read something this morning where there is a team that could actually lose if all of the people in the transfer portal go to another school this team could lose one-third, one-third of their roster. Back in a minute. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside, this is Big Noon Sports. Roll Tide, the best sports talk, period. Your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well, trying to find a needle in a haystack. Sure, you can post your job to some job board, but then all you can do is hope to. A dry day tomorrow, a mixture of clouds and sunshine, the high 51. And Sunday, a sunny day with a high at 49. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 53 degrees in Tuscaloosa. on a Friday afternoon. Welcome back to Big Noon Sports. Christian Miller, Max Coulter, along with Lars Anderson. There's a story out. Uh, it comes from The Spun. Sometimes I like, sometimes I know like. But anyway, guys, I'm going to do a little bit of math here, okay? How many players are on a football, college football roster at the FBS level that are on scholarship. Lars, what's the total? I thought it was 85. It's 85. Yeah, it's yeah. 85. Okay. Uh, roughly one-third of that would be somewhere around 25 to 30. There's a report out here that says that Texas A&M now has 25 players in the transfer portal. Did y'all see that? And is that just mind-boggling? 
I, I don't. I, I don't even know where to begin with that one. Uh, it, I think that reveals that there is uh, some problems behind the scenes there, um, and you know things haven't gone the way that Jimbo Fisher had, had envisioned uh, when he was, you know, reeling in all these five and four star prospects. Um, but uh, I think it it's uh, indicative of a of a program. I mean, again, you don't want to overstate and say it's a programming crisis, but it's a, a program, I think, that just sort of collectively is struggling to find its feet, Christian. No, I agree with you, Lars. And uh, for a program to, to have that kind of recruiting class and to have so many guys uh, just piling in the portal, um, I think it's very telling on what's going on, going on behind the scenes um, within that program. And uh, obviously a lot of the, the, the players are upset about something and then they're not – uh, I'm happy with with being there. So I think Jimbo Fisher has a lot on his hands right now, and, and he's probably uh, probably scrambling trying to figure it out because losing one third of your scholarship guys is uh, that that's a that's a, that's a big challenge to, to face. So uh, I'm curious to see how he he plans to to figure this one out. It's just it's crazy, isn't that the number of players he signed at uh, what a million dollars? What did Saban say? I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> It, it is just another indication, like we're all agreeing here, that uh, Jimbo's lost it. Guys, I mean, Lars, seriously, how much longer is he going to stay there? It's an $89 million buyout, but, I mean, sometime uh, some oil baron's going to have to come up and get rid of this. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they, there is the money there. Things get bad enough, uh, it, it will happen. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, it's coming from all different position groups and, um, this is the, the opening of the can of worms. I mean, we talk about how it's, you can build a program faster than ever now because of the transfer portal, but man, your program can crater faster than ever now because of the transfer portal. So it works both ways. And, uh, to have this mass exodus, Again, I, I think it, it reveals a, a sort of a larger issue that is going on behind the scenes. And we don't I, I certainly don't know what it is. Um, you know, Jimbo, uh, obviously, they had a very disappointing season. And uh, I mean, Christian knows this better than anyone. What is what is the thing that cures all all problems and that's winning? And they yep. just didn't win enough last year. And then and you could argue that they were the most disappointing team in the country. I think they started the year, what, ranked sixth in the nation and, uh, you know, ended the year uh, losing to Auburn. So, uh, and then Auburn's obviously at, the, at, at, at a low point in, 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 their, in that, their program too. But, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where these kids end up, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of them uh, stay in the SEC. You know, I will mention a, a bulk of these players um, are not necessarily starters uh on both sides of the football um however it makes you wonder you know what kind of vision was being sold to these guys during the recruiting process you know it, it seems like you know nowadays these kids you know just, they, they're they're looking for that instant gratification they want to come in they want to play right away not to mention they probably were uh you know being sold this this dream team uh, as you you might uh put it uh, you know all these four and five star guys coming there then they get there and man, you know they really struggled this season, and it, it, it almost turned into what you'd almost call a dumpster fire. And uh, it, it seems like some of these guys kind of just lost hope, and and maybe Jimbo's vision, and they weren't satisfied with their roles on the team. And 
that's that's the landscape of college football right now. If you're not satisfied, enter your name in the transfer portal. Try to start fresh somewhere else. Um, but I, I'm just I'm also wondering how it works though. You know, we're, we're, it's obvious that you know they paid a lot of money in NIL deals. I wonder how it works. Do these kids just take the money that they received for their NIL deals and they get to keep it when they leave and enter the transfer portal? Or <laughs> I, w- I would assume so. Man. Yeah. Um, and uh, a quick update about what's going on in the Bahama Bowl. Uh, Miami of Ohio has taken a 13-10 lead over UAB with five minutes left in the third quarter, Matt. Christian, we only have about 45 seconds, so I'm going to lay it on you anyway. Were you promised a starting job or any particular assignment when you were recruited to Alabama? Absolutely not. I was promised an opportunity to go in there and compete for a job, and it was up to me to, to make the most of it, and uh, that's ultimately what I did. It was, I was promised an opportunity, not a spot. Back in four minutes. I wanted to know why some people who get COVID-19 get it so bad. I found out it may be because they have a high risk factor, such as heart disease, diabetes, being overweight, Welcome back to Big Noon Sports with Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and Christian Miller. Back on Big Noon Sports, it's Matt, and uh, you got Lars, and then in Tuscaloosa, you got Christian Miller. Uh, appreciate everybody dialing us in. We are now uh, in Anniston, Gadsden, Birmingham, and Tuscaloosa, and we're going to grow that footprint and uh, offer more and more people the opportunity to listen to the show because the content is just outstanding. Um, UAB, what what was the latest now, Lars? You had it a minute ago. The Miami score? Uh, let me see here. Yeah, uh, it's uh, thirteen to ten. Uh, Miami of Ohio is still up, but UAB is in scoring position to tie, if not take the lead, uh, with a touchdown. Is uh, heading into as the fourth quarter has just begun. All right, and later today, in uh, fact, in an hour, uh, Troy will take on University of Texas San Antonio. Uh, both teams eleven and two. Mentioned this just at the end of our first hour. Texas A&M has a possibility of 25 players going in the transfer pool. Uh, on my other notes here, Christian, I saw where uh, your former teammate, Terrell Lewis, uh, had been waived. Will he get picked up? Absolutely. You know, pass rusher is a critical position in the NFL. Every team's always looking for pass rushers. And, you know, Terrell's very talented, uh, has tremendous size. You know, Terrell's like six five and a half. Really long arms, great athlete. So, no, there's no doubt he'll get picked up, and it'll probably be very shortly that he that he's already on another team. I think uh, we might actually have another former guy up with us right now, um, a former teammate, Bo Scarborough, former uh, you know, Alabama running back, spent some time in the NFL with the Dallas Cowboys, Seattle Seahawks, face of the USFL. Bo, what you got going on today? What's up, man? What's up, man? I'm just I'm just getting pretty clear from the gym, man. Excellent, man. They're ready for this uh, new season. How you doing? Can't complain. Can't complain. Just want to get you on here, talk a little football. I might start things off with a little question about you got guys like you know Bryce Young, Will Anderson. There's a lot of talk about these guys right now and whether they should play or not. What would you What would your advice be to those guys? And and if they do play, what kind of what kind of value could they add to themselves by playing in the game? Uh, for me, I would say. Uh, uh, go to practice, you know, 
uh, say that you're playing in the game, show the leadership, be there for your teammates. You know, and then at the end of the day, like Coach Saban said, it's a business decision. So you go over and, and, and you talk to Coach Saban and you ask him, what do you think um, the best is? And then you talk to your parents about it. And then you come to a conclusion and maybe play the first or second half, you know what I mean, the first or second quarter of the game and get pulled out and be a leader um, for your team on the sideline. But I would say that it would help them out a lot if they did play. And if they didn't play, it wouldn't hurt them at all. But like I said, it just shows the leadership that they have that they play and um, show them their teammates that they are with them through that storm that they're going through and, you know, that they're with them for their last ride. So if it were me, I would probably, that's what I would do. And then uh, let Coach Taylor make the decision to pull me or keep me in the game because, like I said, if we was in the SEC turn, uh, playoffs, I mean the SEC tournament, the, uh, in the playoffs, and go to the national national tur- uh, in the national championship, but we stayed not played in. Uh, all we only saying we're not playing because we're playing for bowl game. It is every bowl game is important because every bowl game you get a ring. It ain't a national championship, but it's a bowl game. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. Looking back at this season, obviously, you know, things didn't necessarily go uh, as planned, but still a good season, a 10-win season. If you had to pinpoint one thing that you felt could have been better this season, what what would you say kind of contributed to some of the shortcomings? I would say the culture, man. Um, I I didn't see the the connection, you know. I I think that was – that played a real big part of it that – there wasn't a connection there on that team. They didn't know each other. They didn't, you know, they didn't even do that. I don't even know they had blood, sweat, and tears with each other, man. And, like, it's like they had to plan for themselves and not for each other and not for the team. So I would say the culture is definitely missing. And the head hunters leaders, the vocal leaders, if you ask me, I mean, William Anderson and Bryce Young can't do it on their own. You don't need guys to step up and, you know, listen, you know, when the time and listen, you know. It's just like when I was there, I didn't say much, but when I talked, people listened because I was doing everything by the book and I was doing everything right and I was one of the leaders. So I think that that's what they were missing, a big part of leadership is vocal in the culture. Bo, when you reflect back on your Alabama career, is there um, a particular moment, whether off the field or on the field, that really stands out as sort of your most cherished memory? Um, my most cherished memory, um, maybe when the leadership team went to Coach Saban House to talk to the um, the freshman that coming in, and we was there, and um, I said something very important to the guys, and I told them, I said, listen. You guys just graduated school in May. It's June. You were going to school for eight hours a day. You're only going to school for maybe two here. So there's no reason that you should be late to a class or miss a class because nine times out of ten, your class ain't going to start at eight. It'll start at nine or ten. When you've been going to school from eight to three, I don't see why would it be a problem for you to go to class from nine to nine fifty. Like, I don't, I don't. I don't see it. And that was one of the things that, you know, that I cherished the most, that I came up with that 
you can go to school for eight hours, but when you get in college, it's all changed. Like, no, it's supposed to stay the same because what's the difference between eight hours and two hours? I mean, it's just less time. Just go to class, show the teacher respect, and show them that you want to be there and that you have a learn. Hey, Bo, give me an update on the Stallions, your status, the season status, and are there uh, many guys you played that, with that are currently in the NFL? Uh, we got we got we got most of our guys coming back. Uh, we we signed um, three big three big time guys, two offensive um, linemen, and a cornerback from um, that played out of Arizona. And um, we still got Demarcus uh, Gates in the league. We still got uh, Victor Bolden in the league. Um, uh, we still got um, one of our tight ends. Uh, he's still in the league and. Uh, one of our receivers, O'Shea, um, he's still in the lead as well. And, you know, we've just been building, man, and trying to re- regroup and, you know, win another normal championship. And I think with the uh, team that we have and the people that we have coming back and the people that we have um, signed are, uh, you know, really, really good and could put us in a really, really good spot. And we can um, be a really, really good team. Bo, you spent time in both the NFL and now the USFL. How would you compare the two? And, and are you pretty satisfied with the with the USFL? Do you do you enjoy it uh, just as much as you did with the league? And um, do you think it should be here to stick around for a while? I mean, yeah, uh, it's, it's it's a thing that I enjoy. Um, I get to play football again. I get to be around the guys, and you know, most of the guys in the USFL are the guys that played in the league and. Uh, I, it's like up in the air. I can't say which one better, but of course, the NFL bet that pays no money, you know? Yeah. And, um, uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, I, uh, um, as far as the meeting going, man, with the uh, collective bargaining um, arrangement that we have, it's like maybe the USFL is going to go forth and for its third season after this second season. And uh, it looks like this could be something that can be around for a couple of years and hopefully for a decade or, or two or maybe uh, more than that, you know, from uh, Fox Sport putting all the money that they have put into this game. And I can see that it's uh, being a, a pretty popular thing um, in the future. Hey, Bo, uh, what do you hear? I know you, you, you stay in Tuscaloosa a lot. What, what do you hear from Alabama? What are your thoughts on their season? And um, will they beat K-State? Uh, my, my thoughts on their season, um, uh, I, I, I think that we had, a, we, we had a young team and that we got a young team now. We just need some guys to, to step up and, you know, take control and, um it's really hard with this NIL deal, man. And, you know, you, you got to get guys to buy into the system and buy into the program. And and, and it'll be easy that, that way. And, um, you know, we have a, we got a big, we got a big running back coming in out of uh, Georgia, Justice Haynes. And, um, he, I think that he's going to bring that, that thought back, that running back, um, that the, that the, um, university used to have. I think that he's going to be a really, really good player for the university. Um, maybe not his first year, uh, but definitely I can see him uh, taking over their running back spot. Um, I mean, that's all I have, man. That's all I can say is that they need to get the coach back and, pe- and the guys need to buy into the program. 
Bo, uh, in, in chatting with in, in chatting with Christian the other day, um, you know, he told us that he was uh, in, in connect. He was he connected with Keon Keeley, uh, the five star defensive end outside linebacker that signed with Alabama. Do you talk to pers- prospective recruits and, and sell them on what it's like to play at Alabama? Well, I, I, I talk to the recruits and I don't stare them on anything, you know. I, I, I tell them the real deal. So is 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 can you handle the real deal, or do someone have to sell you on something for you to come to the University of Alabama? Like I told Justice Hayes, I told him the same thing that I just told you guys. I told him that he can be one, he can be one of the guys that bring the thought back and running back and bring the culture back. You know, coming to the University of Alabama and. You know, if you need help along the way, I'm here to, you know, to help you. And a long list of guys, Trent Richardson and um, Derek Henry, Mark Ingram, Ed Lacey, uh, T.J. Yeldon, Kenyon Drake, Josh Jacob, Damon Harris, all them guys, uh, you know, Glenn Coffey, all, all the guys are still in the picture, man. And, you know, you'll be the, you'll be a family, one of us. And, you know, you, it, it's not going to be easy. It's it going to be hard. It's going to be times that you're going to be discouraged, but you got to, have the courage and the knowledge to stay focused and not get knocked out and not get knocked out. But if you do get knocked down, you got to have the power and the strength to get back up and do it again and try it again. But, uh, yeah, I talked to, um, Keon as well. Uh, we had him on the podcast and, you know, like I said, I didn't sell, I, I don't sell guys or anything. I sit on the real deal. And, and I think that what made just as Haynes, uh, um, cut off a two home visit at the Coast Stadium up there, and you know I'm kind of mentoring and you know mentoring and then calling and checking on them here. You know maybe once a week, twice a week. Same thing I'm doing for the young guy over there, Northridge man, the cornerback, uh, TJ man. I'm, just, I'm, I'm mentoring him as well, man. He's a great guy. He has A's and B's, and you know he just needs um, someone to help him out, and you know. I, I wish that someone would do the same that, that I'm doing to others. So, but yeah, I I I pretty much talk to recruits, but I like I said, I don't I don't sell them, man. I, I just tell them the truth, and they either they either like it or they don't like it. All right, Bo, we're going to let you go, but as we roll out and go to break, tell me something everyone wants to know but doesn't about Christian Miller. <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, that's, uh, that's, uh, I mean, this guy did, you, did he pull up? Did he pull up to the station where he bought a bike yet? Uh, I don't know if they know I ride a motorcycle. I think. think uh huh. I don't know if they've seen the motorcycle. I sold my last bike. I don't have one right now. But yeah, I, they, I don't know if they know I ride a bike. That, think, that's a good one. I yeah, see, see, he, he's a biker. He want to be in the biker club, so any biker club that's looking for members, Mr. Miller will be one one of your new members to come on to the biker club. <laughs> hey, real quick, real quick before you go, Bo, uh, tell us how uh, tell the, uh, the the listeners how they can find you and where they can hear you. I know you got a new podcast going on right now. Go ahead and let them know how they can listen to it. Oh, yeah, man, I got a new podcast under the Bama Standard. Uh, you can find me on YouTube, uh, the Development Focus Point, uh, right under the um, Bama Standard. Um, you can also find me on Twitter, uh, Five Star Bo. And on Instagram, you can find me with Bo Scarborough. And um, we also do live podcasts on Tuesday on the TDA Magazine. Um, 
and you can watch that at 6 30 uh p.m central time seven i mean six o'clock central time seven eastern time and the development focus point would um be on wednesday at 7 30 central time 8 30 eastern time good stuff man thank you bo really hey thanks really bo we'll good. talk again real soon merry christmas it's- Great stuff. Thanks, Bo. Merry Christmas. Have a holiday. Who has been dubbed the Will Ferrell of the NFL? That's for you next. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Roll Tide. The best sports talk, period. Your home for Alabama Alabama sports. sports. Tide 100.9. And streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Savings, discounts, low rates, more for your trade. Great selection of cars, trucks, and SUVs with super-friendly service. You are at Townsend Nissan where you will check. A dry day tomorrow, a mixture of clouds and sunshine, the high 51. And Sunday, a sunny day with a high at 49. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 53 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Big Noon Sports, Matt, Lars, Christian Miller. In a minute, we're going to have Rick Christopher on, and um, because of his association with the gentleman that just happened to stop by in the studio, rubbing in my face that he just ate snapper throats at the Bright Star, so I'm very aggravated with him. It's Tuffy Crow, Huey Town, Golden Gopher, Gamecock, Blazer, Stallions. Um, guys, I think, Lars, you met him once. I don't know if Christian Miller... Has oh, ever I met Tuffy Grove? Uh, yeah. The, and, at the, the other one. Other station, yeah. Other uh, place. And we're going to play a little trick on Rick Christville when oh, he yeah. comes on at the bottom of the hour. He deserves it. But, uh, guys, welcome, and uh, here's Tuffy. But, Tuffy, you were telling during the break uh, about Raleigh Dodge, the Stallions, and this is one of my favorite stories. And let me <laughs> tell you, that says a lot because Tuffy's got more stories. Remember you used to say <laughs> that Carter has little pills? Yeah. Yeah. So, well, tell us. We, Matt and I were together with the original Birmingham Stallions, and Raleigh Dodge was our head coach. Had two Super Bowl rings, an offensive line coach at Pittsburgh Steelers. Been everywhere, won national championship at Michigan State with Duffy Darty in like 1952 or something. We're in L.A., in L.A. playing Steve Young and the L.A. Express. I grew up in Hueytown. I'd been at Jacksonville State, only place I'd been. And Coach Dodge hires me. Well, we're in L.A., and I'm just thrilled to die. I'm in Los Angeles. I think I've hit the big time. So just before the pregame meal, I go into the gift shop. Oh, man, I forgot to tell you this part. I go in and ask for goodie powders. <laughs> I said, Goodies in L.A.? Yeah. The lady just looked at me like I had two heads. She said, what? <laughs> I said, oh, never mind. I think it may be a southern thing. But I see a T-shirt with a L. Los Angeles skyline on it. Los Angeles printed on it. I said, shoot, I'm getting that. Wear it back to Birmingham. Well, I'm paying for it. And Coach Dodge comes down the hall. Matt, you remember Coach smoked those big black cigars. He's got one in his hand, and he looks at me and said, well, I've got a coach on vacation. 
and just walks on. I folded that T-shirt up and put it back on the camera. Yeah. Never went back in the gift shop. <laughs> he was the best, though. Uh, he was awesome. And, uh, Lars, you probably experienced the, the time when this was uh, allowed, good. Yeah. But you could sit down and have scotch with uh, Raleigh, and he'd oh, start yeah. singing Old Danny Boy. Oh, my gosh, make you and, cry. And make you cry. <laughs> but we would go on road trips, and that was not all that unusual. No. Uh, Lars, you can't, you can't do that with coaches. Heck, I went to bowl games and drank beer with the players. <laughs> In Hawaii. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Try, yeah. try to drink more beer than Wayne Bolt. Yeah. The only, Good the, only way, the only way you can do that now is really to embed – with a team uh and for either a book or you know a magazine length uh extensive long form piece but um certainly i've spent plenty of late nights with uh, bruce arians uh and yeah, that's what with, i was about and, to say lars <laughs> and 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 with rick rick's rick is ba's running mate and uh rick rick can hold his own <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know when actually to be on that staff at tampa you must be able to hold your own because Bruce is the case to be. I remember uh, when he was with the uh, when Bruce is with the Arizona Cardinals. It was during training camp, and I was just really getting to know him. Um, and uh, we were, you know, collaborating on a book together. And I'm up in his suite at the hotel across the street from the stadium, and it's training camp, like I said. And it gets to be nine o'clock and then 10 o'clock and then 11 o'clock. And, and Bruce, who's a former bartender, is sort of behind the bar. He's making drinks for everybody. And, uh, you know, it, it became a sort of like test of your manhood. If you, <laughs> you didn't want to be the first one to leave <laughs> that way. Right. And then uh, right. You know, early the next morning, I think we stayed up till two early the next morning. I, I see uh, Steve Kime, who's the general manager and still the general manager who's in a bit of a trouble right now uh because uh, cardinals are so bad but i see rick uh, steve kime in the morning the gm and he's like are you coming up to the suite tonight lars are you banned enough can you do it <laughs> and so uh, yeah uh, my liver wasn't uh, too happy about that but uh but hey you I got i got great material from that matt i bet you did hey how about the lake in georgia lake oconee where Bruce and Rick and all those guys live. Oh, it's and like and Lars goes over there too because yeah. isn't that where the Beamers are, Lars? Yes. Yeah. It's like a coaching have, convention, isn't it? Lord? Yeah, it is. Uh, uh, the Beamers have Roethlis a place. Roethlisberger. Uh, ben, yeah, Ben lives there. Uh, I think Dan Mullen has a place there. I think uh, Kirby Smart has a place there. Um, and for for those guys, it's really just a, a summer home. Uh, that they don't get, uh, frankly, uh, that much time to spend there. But but Bruce and his wife live there year-round, and uh, it's absolutely just spectacular. And, and um, you know, Bruce has an annual golf tournament that's held right there. And uh, it, it's just strange that all of these guys, uh, you know, they compete against each other. But, but the coaching world, it, it's so small, right? And, and once one person, like, finds – uh, hey, this is a great area to live in the summer, and boom, the next thing you know, there's like 20 other coaches <laughs> going to live there in the summer, because it's like they're all they're all friends, even though they compete against each other. Um, it, it's just uh, it, it was shocking to me, really, just to understand how small the coaching world 
is. Uh, and they, everybody knows everybody, uh, especially if you've been in the game long enough, Matt. And then there's that little bitty thin one-mile-wide island down in the Gulf oh, wow. that uh, only people like Saban and Dabo live. Yeah. Uh, and that, that's not a lake. That's not a lake house. I wonder who's is the is Saban's lake house north of Atlanta better yeah. than the ones to the I don't know. I don't I'm not sure. I'm I hadn't been to where Saban is. I've mean, heard it's beautiful well, up in the mountains. You can imagine it's, I think isn't it lists for like seven or eight million. Yeah, I think it looks like the Marriott over here. So. <laughs> uh, I can't even drive into that neighborhood. Hey, uh when we get back, Rick Christopher. Longtime coach here in Birmingham at UAB will be joining us from Tampa to talk about the Bucks and all, and uh, we're going to surprise him a little bit with Tuffy Crow being in the studio. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside, this is Big Noon Sports. Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well, trying to find a needle in a haystack. Sure, you can post your job to some job board, but then all you can do is hope... Find that on TikTok or something? What is it? What is that? Welcome back to Big Noon Sports. It's Matt Coulter along with Lars Anderson and Christian Miller. And we're joined now by uh, offensive assistant at Tampa with the Buccaneers, Tom Brady guy, Bruce Arians guy. Rick Christoffel, I have not talked to you in, in quite a while, man. How are you? I know. I'm good, Matt. How about you? How are you doing? Good. Still in Vestavia. Still miss your uh, miss your wife more than we do you. Uh, you, you I don't get to see her much now. <laughs> Just to let you all know, uh, Rick's wife, Connie, was a part of the Vestavia school system uh, the length of time, and she had the pleasure, uh, maybe not so much a pleasure with the last one that went through, of educating all three. All three of my children, and uh, she lived to tell about it. Make sure and give her our love because she's just a fabulous person. I, I will, Matt, and she she talks very very highly of your children. Let me let me tell you. Hey, Coach Chris Fell. Yes, sir. <laughs> Have you ever cooked chicken at the Friday night dinner at a hotel? More than once, I cooked eggs <laughs> the next morning too. <laughs> Hey, this is Taffy. I thought you. I thought, I, thought, me I, thought, I thought you. I thought you were working on the farm. I, I just. I got made a trip down to the big city to send him with Matt today. <laughs> oh Lord! <laughs> I tell you, uh, what are you doing? I'm just in. I came down Christmas shopping. I heard you were going to be on the show, and I couldn't pass it up. Well, I, I, I know tell it. some stories. <laughs> Oh Lord, don't don't do that stuff. He would be in trouble. He, Matt would be off the air. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> Truth be told, Rick, he came over here to eat at the Bright Star, and he came in here. Oh, <laughs> hey, Rick, let's talk some Buccaneers football here for a minute. 
Uh, where okay. are you? I know you'd like to have several more wins here, but uh, give us the update. Uh, I know it's tough sledding in San Francisco for darn sure, but give us an update yeah. and uh, tell everybody what we really want to know. We want to know about Tom Brady. <laughs> no, Tom, Tom's as good a guy as you want to meet. He's a, he's a thorough pro. He, he does what he's supposed to do. He, he's very positive um, uh, during practice, works with the guys well, you know, and uh, be real honest with you, we haven't played, you know, I, I think people are going to say this, we haven't played up to what we should be playing. And uh, we've had a lot of injuries, but that's part of this business. Uh, usually the NFL is called, you know, is, is a is a league, league of attrition. So if you can keep your people healthy, and it, you, you, you're going to have a chance at the end. Hey, Rick, it's Lars here. Uh, thanks for joining hey, the Lopez. show, and, and thank you for all the help that you uh, gave me. Uh, when I was putting together a season on the sun and, and uh, very proud of that book and very proud that, um, that uh, of the end result. And, and also just your help was, uh, it, it was invaluable because you, you uh, <laughs> just gave me story after story after story. But um, when you uh, just looking at your season, what does, what does the inconsistency come from? I mean, it, as a coach that must drive you crazy. Yeah, Lars, it's, it's, there's a lot of things you can look at and point. You know, we haven't had a lot, whole lot of red zone opportunities. Uh, so, you know, when you get down there, you got to take advantage. And we haven't done a great job of that. We, You know, we've been working with a long field a lot and uh, haven't got some of the turnovers that we've gotten in the past. Um, and, and, you know, I think yelling, you know, we, we lost three key interior guys last year, and I think it's starting to gel. You know, it takes a while for the gel, and then, of course, Gronk's not out there, but I think we've got some good young tight ends along with Cameron Brayton. I think all of us, you know, it's 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 going to be one or two plays that make a difference in uh, in, in a ball game, and uh, you know, hopefully, it'll be this week. Rick, I played uh, here at Alabama from fourteen to eighteen, and and one of the things that we felt um, this year kind of was missing a little bit was uh, some forms of leadership throughout the team. And you being around somebody like Tom Brady, what what type of leadership does he display, and, and what makes it so effective? Well, I think he, the the biggest thing about him being a leader is he's still hard on himself. Um, he wants he wants perfection, and he holds people accountable. And I I think when you got a, a guy in the locker room or on the field that holds people accountable, then uh, things are going to happen. And that's that's one of the things that you know that we've got to continue to build on. And uh, hopefully it'll it'll uh, take place a little bit more this Sunday. Hey Rick, did you? you we're talking about the 49ers a while ago. Did you get a chance to say anything to D'Amico while y'all were after the game or before the game? No, D'Amico no. Ryan, you it, remember we? Yeah, I know we went. You to guys the don't talk up there. <laughs> yeah. No, no. We, they we had recruited D'Amico guys. hard. Yeah. There was a bunch hey, I'll of tell you guys. what else I saw. Go ahead. Hey, hey, I saw. I'll tell you what else I saw with y'all this year is you lost that big, your big nasty center there early. Big redheaded guy. Yeah, yeah, boy, he, you know, right, he kind of looked like that. Yeah, the guy that helped, right. that kept that front group together. And yeah, well, that's a what bit of nasty in him, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He did, and there's three interior guys. That makes a difference. We got both our tackles back. Of course, Tristan's hurt right now. I think hopefully he'll be back next week or the week after. But 
you know, when you lose those three interior guys, that 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 that's pretty tough. And uh, you know, Kappa's playing with uh, the Bengals this week. The guys we played this week, Ali Marpet retired, and, and then Jensen got hurt right out the gate the first week of practice in the in uh, preseason. So uh, that hurts. You, that hurts you a little bit, and it takes some time to get all that to gel together. Rick, uh, I know your focus is on the Bucks, but you obviously keep up with the NFL. Just do a little evaluation on what Jalen Hurts has done and accomplished since he left Alabama slash Oklahoma. You know, uh, Matt, it's, 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 that's a good question because I, I think uh, he's done nothing but improve every year, and I think the proof's in the pudding right now. Um, the guy's done a great job of, getting the ball to the right people, his playmakers, and when they call his number, he does a great job uh, of hopefully protecting himself and, and doing the things that he's got to do. Um, I think he's taking a little bit more command of the game, um, and, and I think they're doing putting him in the right situation. And, and that's such a big thing up here is, is uh, being able to, to do that and also to have playmakers around him. Rick, how is uh, Bruce Arians doing, and and what is BA's role? Is he is he involved with uh, uh, Byron when it comes to putting together a game plan? I don't know how much he's involved, Lars, with putting together a game plan. I know he's in, he he talks to Byron a lot. They they communicate a lot. Um, as a matter of fact, I'm going to see him here in a little while. Uh, and uh, but he's doing real good. He's <laughs> Lars, believe it or not, he's relaxed. That that's uh that's saying a lot, but, uh, that is saying a lot. you know, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I think he's, uh, would he like to be there? I think he always want to be there as a coach, but I think he's kind of stepped away a little bit and given himself some, some breathing room. Rick, you were a member of a Super Bowl football team, uh, Super Bowl 55 with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And that's something not many people will ever get to experience. Could you just talk a little bit about what goes into a championship-winning team, uh, specifically a Super Bowl-winning team? Christian, the biggest thing is, I think what I alluded to, we uh, we, we were pretty much healthy uh, through that whole year, and we got some people back. Um, and going through that, if you remember, we had three real tough games right before our, our open date, right before we had our open date. And we got... We got stalacked by somebody. I can't remember. I, I, I forget. It may have been the Saints. But then we came back and we run. We were, we we went on a run. We met, we ran the ran the table and won eight straight. And I think what happens is that whole thing, that focus, you get that focus back. And and uh, like you said, the leadership was there. And we had guys that made plays. And uh, they didn't think they didn't think they were going to lose at that point. And and once you get that feeling, once you get that feeling. You think you go out in the field, and no matter what the what happens during the game, that you you're going to win at the end of the game, and especially when you got number twelve. You know, y'all y'all seen him. I mean, he's he now has got the all time record with forty four fourth quarter fourth quarter comeback. So, whenever you got the ball in his hands, the end of the game, you got a chance to win the game. Rick Christopher is our guest. We're going to wrap it up with him. He's coach with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tell me a Tuffy Crow story since he's telling them on you. There aren't any. Y'all bull. <laughs> I can tell from Memphis to oh. Cincinnati to. Oh Lord! Hey, how about hey, how about y'all? How huh. about how about we didn't get we didn't get to go to the Bahamas Bowl? Heck no! We went to Hawaii. We went to Hawaii though, didn't we? we, we, we yeah, we went to Hawaii. We went to Hawaii. Tuffy made us work the whole time we were there. Yeah. <laughs> 
You know, uh, I, I guess y'all aware of this. The year that uh, UAB played uh, Hawaii in Hawaii, the basketball team went out there first. Yep. I spent That's 10 exactly. days on UAB's dime in Hawaii. Oh, you were having fun, too. Hey, Rick, yeah. you remember that first? Yeah, they got we your picture up there in the post office. Do I? <laughs> <laughs> then there are a few of those bars in, Hawaii, in uh, Honolulu. <laughs> they, you remember that first? No uh, we have that first team meeting, and Watson tells the players, "No mopads." Oh yeah. We walk out to go to dinner, and all I hear is, "Me, me." Here comes Roddy White, Daryl Hackney, <laughs> about half the team passing on mopads, and flying. <laughs> Listen, to Watson. We went to a, we went to a restaurant, and there was ten of them that rode right by the restaurant. Oh, man, that's oh. crazy. Hey, Rick. Yes, sir. What's the biggest difference between Tampa and Birmingham? <laughs> well, right, yeah, I can't. I, I would say right now the weather, but it's, it's about 63, 64 degrees right now down here. But last week, wow. believe right. it or not, we had, we had 81 degrees all week. Holy it was God. all week. It was. So, hey, you and Connie still living on that big yacht? Got a yacht? Yeah, Rick's got a yeah. yacht. Yeah, <laughs> got a jumbo. Don't you know it? It's got a, it's got a, it's got a, it's got a fifty horsepower Mercury on it. <laughs> ah, there you go. Uh, like raiding Ohio. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Rick. Uh, please tell yep. your family hello. I love talking, catching up with you, and let's do it again real soon. That sounds good, Matt. Thank y'all for having me on. I appreciate it. See y'all. Oh, Thank you, hey, Rick. Hey, Rick. Thanks, remember Rick. this. Remember this, Rick. Don't tell me about the pain. Just show me the baby. Yeah. <laughs> that was Rick's favorite. Don't tell me about the Just bring the bring this in. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks, Coach. See you. What in one year, and I may have asked you about this before, one year he went from offensive coordinator to defensive coordinator. In one yeah. year, or was it the other way around? Uh, uh, no, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. Bill Bill Clay left after yeah. 2000, I guess, to go to uh, Oklahoma State. Rick was on offense, running offense. Next day, he's on the defense, running the defense, and we're great. Uh, we and, finished and did, in the top yeah, five. Yep, yeah. and, and and did great. Yeah, uh, it's because of the players you recruited. All right, uh, you're listening to Big Noon Sports. I never did tell y'all who the. Who is the Will Ferrell of the NFL? I promise I will in a moment. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Roll Tide. The best sports talk, period. Your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9. And streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Has the pandemic affected your business? Even with more and more customers going online in the past five years, online business has grown greatly due to the pandemic. Now more than ever, it's important to have a a dry day tomorrow, a mixture of clouds and sunshine, the high 51. And Sunday, a sunny day with a high at 49. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 54 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Big News Sports, Matt Coulter, 
Puffy Crow's in the studio, also joined by Christian Miller and Lars Anderson. Well, I have uh, teased this story for an hour now, so uh, let me tell you. Do y'all want to just take a guess at who you think uh, is the Will Ferrell, if you haven't read this article? Who's the Will Ferrell of the NFL, according to, uh, and this will be a big hint, according to Vaughn Miller. Now, that will narrow it down just a little bit. Uh. That's, that's a good one. Uh, I would guess, man, I don't know. I, I don't I'll, know I'll just I'll about. break this one for you. He says Josh Allen is the Will Ferrell of quarterbacks. He's so lighthearted. He doesn't take anything serious. His teammates and everyone around him love him for that. Now, I wouldn't have thought that. Would y'all? No. No. Well, I wouldn't have thought that. I thought he was all serious and, and it meant business every time he stepped on the yeah. field. He always has that game face on, so that that caught me by surprise. Anybody you ever play with like that, Christian? Like what? Like just doesn't take anything serious? Yeah, just, just you know, so a real, real funny guy in the locker room. Was Tony Brown like that? Oh, yeah, we had a, a handful of guys that were funny, but, I, I mean, I don't know if I had compared it to, like, a Will Ferrell. I mean, we had <laughs> – I mean, the, the defensive line group, I think you can ask any football team, the defensive line group always has a handful of characters. Those guys are always clowns. Like, it's the, it's, if you want entertainment in a football locker room, go hang out with the defensive lineman. You, I'm, I'm telling you. You're right. Every single team You're I've right. been Just on. go in the meeting room with them. <laughs> exactly. The, the meeting <laughs> Do room what with now, the, Tuffy? The, the meeting room with yeah. the defensive lineman. That's the funniest place you can be oh, in a football like building. It, it is. The, everywhere I've ever been is always the same, too. You're, <laughs> See? you're right about that. See? <laughs> All right, Christian. Well, where where's the real serious heads? Oh, man. Uh, that's hard. Uh, I mean, maybe maybe quarterbacks, but not always. I don't know. That That's a tough one. I, the, the, the jokesters are always defensive linemen, hands down. But serious? Okay. I don't know. I think everybody's kind of just got a funny side to them. I mean, that – Football teams and locker room—that's where we kind of cut up, you know. That's where we, we let loose, and we kind of—we got to—you got to have fun somewhere, especially when, you know, we're, we're going through what we're going through at Alabama. We got to—we <laughs> got to find a way to have fun somehow. <laughs> <laughs> you're not—you're not cutting up much on the practice field, are you? No, no, no. But in the locker room, and sometimes in the meetings, we have, we have a little bit of time to cut up a little bit. But no, once we step, once those cleats touch that grass, no, it's all business. You know, guys, it's going to be a, a pretty interesting matchup uh, this week of uh, Miami traveling to Buffalo where they're uh, forecasting just really bad weather, right? Uh, 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 the lake effects snow, uh, so it will be uh, most likely played in a uh, snowstorm. And Tua was asked about it, and Tua's response was, well, it snows in Alabama too, guys. Uh, so, so comparing Tuscaloosa to uh, Buffalo, New York in uh, in December, uh, I think Tua might be in for a little bit of of a surprise. <laughs> the, the, the snow there is is a little different. Uh, Christian, did you ever um, play in Buffalo? Uh, did you ever? Uh, and, and and also, what are your thoughts on? Um, on Tua just recently, you know, he, he's coming under a little more criticism again because uh, they really struggled last week and they struggled sort of pushing the ball down the field. His accuracy was a little off. Just uh, what, what are your thoughts? 
Well, the, to answer your first question, I've never played uh, in Buffalo. I've just heard about it, how miserable uh, the cold is up there. It's always snowing, and it's it's, it's tough. It's like a tundra up there. And uh, probably, I'm probably glad I never played there. But, um, you know, I think sometimes um, that kind of happens at, at any posi- position. But, you know, uh, specifically at quarterback, sometimes you kind of just get out, get, out, get out of rhythm. You know, you kind of find yourself in a little bit of a funk. And uh, maybe that's something he's dealing with. And who knows? I mean, there could be some other variables behind the scenes that could be contributing to it. But um, I'm sure he'll he'll find his way back. I mean, we, we also have to remember, and I know he played great when he came back, but the guy also did suffer at least one diagnosed concussion. It was a pretty bad one. So, um, you know, may, maybe that could kind of affect some of his developments from the season. I don't know. It's tough to say. But I do know playing football at the pro level is not easy. And uh, you're going to have some good games. You're going to have some bad games. I mean, we've even seen that out of Tom Brady um, recently. And, you know, he's, he's struggled as well. And he's supposed to be the greatest of all time. And, um, uh, again, I think that's just part of the game. Uh, but I'm hoping uh, Tua can kind of get back on track, and uh, I know he definitely is capable of that. I had a partner many, many years ago that grew up in uh, New York. And he's, he and I could, never could tell if he was just giving me the business. But he said there are parts of downtown Buffalo that they actually have rope tied between lampposts so you don't get blown into the street. Have y'all ever heard that? Or was that guy joshing me? He might have been. Hey, guys, I know we're, we're running short on time, but UAB ended up winning the Bahama Bowl 24-20. to 20, And uh, a gutsy call by uh, Coach Vincent on fourth and one uh, deep in uh, Miami of Ohio territory to go for it. He coached like a man who had nothing to lose. And uh, he, they scored a late touchdown, so UAB wins. So good good day for the Blazers. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad. I, I, Bryant's a good friend of mine. He's a good man. All right. You are too, Tuffy. Thanks for stopping by. Hey, guys, guys. Let's do this again on Monday. Y'all have a great weekend. See y'all. I'm Joel Clark, a select quote agent with a true story that could save you hundreds of dollars a year. A woman named Linda just called. Her husband, Ray, has a group life insurance policy 